What's up, everybody? We are live with the awesome Start Sit Question and Answer Show, the Week 11 edition. I am your host, Matt Gajewski, and I am here with Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajewski. You can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Our title sponsor today is Yahoo Fantasy. And before we get started, please hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. It is the best way to support us at Osmo. Usually our plan coming into the Start Shit Show is to talk about Thursday Night Football and everything that occurred. Now, we got breaking news a little bit before the show. Jameis Winston turns out is not the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. They are going with Taysom Hill. There were a lot of reports, Shefty talking about this, the Saints beats. They even went as far as to say that Jameis Winston is not going to be a factor in the game. I thought they could maybe would rotate, but apparently Jameis Winston being phased out and they're going full-blown Taysom Hill. Fancy Tim Tebow-esque. What are we doing with, with this situation, Kyle? I've got to ask you right away. Yeah, so I went back in PFF and looked up all of his throws. The preseason, like, I don't know if he had any pose and throw in, throws in postseason. Right. Yeah, I was just like, because the sample on him is so small that just pulling up, like, what has he done this year is probably like nine throws or something. So he actually has, like, I think it's like uh, maybe a hundred or so, like, dropbacks or snaps under center or maybe, you know, shotgun too. And he hasn't been that, like, inaccurate. It's actually been fairly accurate, which is weird because he was, like, a terrible, like, adjusted yards per attempt and yards per attempt passer in college. He was, like, a is he a Utah or BYU, I believe. Oh, he's a BYU dude. BYU, sure. yeah. <laughs> you look at him and you go, yeah, it's a BYU quarterback. So he was pretty terrible in college in terms of his actual efficiency. In the NFL, he's been at least modestly accurate. And obviously, he gives you so much with his legs. I mean, to the point where – I'm trying to think. I know, like, if you play, like, Dynasty, Flea Flicker has him listed as a receiver. ESPN has him as a tight end. FanDuel has him as a tight end. So, in any spot, you can play him at a non-quarterback position. I can't imagine you have a roster that uh, is not worth doing that. Like, maybe, like, like even just play him in the flex. Like, if you have Travis Kelsey, I would not play him over Travis Kelsey at tight end. That's about it. And just play him in the flex. It's kind of broken. If he's your actual quarterback, like Yahoo, I assume, has him as an actual quarterback – I don't know, he's probably like a decent high floor QB too, just because uh, like his rushing production should be very good. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think he slots in probably as just like one of these kind of high floor, maybe not great ceiling gimmicky quarterbacks. So you were interested in Taysom Hill if you're actually playing him in the quarterback slot too, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I don't think I'd be in love with him. There are probably 10 to 14 or so quarterbacks I'd pretty confidently take ahead of him. But like, I think like you were still not crazy for playing Cam Newton when he was slumping in the middle of the season because you were trying to lock in 10 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown. I think that's probably the the baseline that we go in with to to Taysom Hill this week is that maybe not 10 carries, but a handful of carries, and he'd probably be more efficient than like Cam Newton, potentially a rushing touchdown. I'm not going crazy for him if I'm playing him in quarterback, but there are worse plays. Yeah, it's not like Atlanta's defense is really scaring anybody that either. So I, I'm with you. I I I'm starting Taysom Hill in a league, but we've talked about this particular league a few times on the show. I've had a lot of injuries and Teddy Bridgewater was my starting quarterback. Aww. So time, <laughs> times are tough for me in seasonal fantasy, at least my high stakes league. But anyway, guys, thank you for being here. If you were already rolling into the chat, what we do on this show is answer all of your questions in between Kyle and I talk about some of the big topical points for the week. But if you have a question, throw that into the chat. Kyle and I will surely get to it. Any starts at decisions or overall season long fantasy questions you may have, 
I think the biggest one was Taysom Hill, and I'm sure we'll get some either ors throughout the show. I, I mean, I thought I had a an either or potentially with my Teddy Bridgewater situation, but alas, we are rolling with Taysom Hill this week. Hopefully, he gets some carries and some red zone work. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to run Taysom Hill, Kyle. This is just a theoretical thing. Like as a coach, Taysom Hill gives you like I don't know slightly above average replacement level talent with his arm. Why are you not just running Alvin Kamara in the Wildcat? That would be sick. I remember, um, I think it was a game that maybe Pittsburgh was out without Ben Rosberger and they were playing the Chargers. It was like my freshman year of college. They needed, they were like on the goal line, maybe a two-point conversion. And Le'Veon Bell struts out in the Wildcat. And I was like, yes, this is what you do when you're in desperate times. Alvin Kamara, I'd love to see Alvin Kamara in some Wildcat snaps. I think it's awfully likely, no. But that'd be pretty pretty sick to see. Why are they not doing it? Like, I legitimately believe, I, I believe that they believe that Taysom Hill is the quarterback of their future. They're paying him like like do- double digit millions of dollars, like in the uh, either a 10 or 20, it's like 11 or 21. I think I, I don't know why the second digit being a one sticks out to me because they had to like either transition or franchise tag him or something weird like that to keep him on the roster. And they're paying, they're paying James Winston, I think a million dollars given that the money is going this way and the starting, you know, roster spot behind Drew Brees is going this way. They legitimately think he is their quarterback of the future. Do I think that? No, but their actions say that that's at least what they believe to be the situation. Man, I didn't even consider the money. That is a very telling sign. I've just been assuming blindly, like, all right, Jameis Winston's going to take over right when he retires. There's a little more to this. You're absolutely right about that. Some questions are rolling in from the chat. We have one from our very own producer, Jordan. He apparently has Alan Lazard coming back from injury, and he asks Alan Lazard or Brandon Cooks. I think this is pretty easy. You roll with Brandon Cooks. You roll with the number one receiver on the Texans. Locked in target share. Pretty easy for me. Any qualms for you? Yeah, I mean, there's no such thing as dumb questions, but Jordan, come on, better questions from Jordan. <laughs> no, I mean, Brandon Cooks pretty easily. He is playing as the number one receiver on a pretty solid passing offense led by Deshaun Watson. So I will go with that over a number, maybe two, probably a number three receiver on still a good passing offense, but it doesn't seem like Alan Lazard is just going to come back and get a giant role right away. At least that's not what we should project. And uh, Brandon Cooks is getting a giant role. So Cooks quite, quite clearly. Loco says best producer in the biz referring to Jordan. I do agree. I do agree. Yeah. Props to you behind the scenes. Mateo Smith is really panicking on Michael Thomas. He asks what he should do in kind of a blanket statement. Generally, as far as theory goes, when you draft someone highly and maybe they're an underproducing asset, whether that be injury, unless it's like a T.Y. Hilton, I'm sticking pat. Michael Thomas, he's young. He's coming off the injury. We have very strong priors on him leading the league in almost every single receiving category last year. The real question is, like, if you traded him at this point, if you can still do trades, assuming your deadline's not passed, you're definitely not dropping him. If you're trading him, you're selling him low. What are you really getting for him? I would rather just hold tight, hope that he bounces back, and roll with him through the rest of the season. How would you approach Michael Thomas as an owner right now? Yeah, like you said, most trade deadlines are probably passed, and if you are trading him, he has performed so poorly that I think your ceiling with Michael Thomas is pretty much unchanged. Maybe it's a little bit changed by the quarterback situation, but I think potentially getting Michael Thomas on some deeper routes could just change the way he gets fantasy points, not really lower his overall fantasy production. So his ceiling remains unchanged, but I don't think people will appreciate that when they are not only when they are looking to like trade for or trade away Michael Thomas, but even when they're making their start to start sit decisions. So because of that, because I think we have to lean heavily on our priors of 2019, even before 2019, he was awesome too. It was just 2019 was the peak because we have a strong prior on how good he is. 
I don't really think you can afford to bench him. And I don't think you're going to get what it's worth to trade him away. I still view him as a receipt, like a top, top 12 wide receiver. I think he's the number one receiver at this point. Now he's probably closer to the middle of the pack of the wide receiver ones. But I mean, you're not benching that guy. You're not trading that guy. I'm hanging Pat and I'm still playing. Yeah. I'm with you too. Someone asks, is Swift playing? If not, should I try to get Burkhead, Breida, or Pirine? Swift is dealing with a concussion, so we likely won't have definitive word on this closer until we get closer to game time. Right now, last I saw, he's unlikely, which doesn't necessarily rule him out. Again, when you're in concussion protocol, it's not like he's rehabbing a normal injury. He's just mm-hmm. battling against the protocol, so he has to pass each individual step. And we'll know once he gets through those steps or once he he fails to reach one of them, that's when we'll get definitive word. So we'll need to wait a little bit. As far as your other options, Burkhead, Brita, or Pirine, I so Pirine's a little misleading right now because there's two Pirines actually seeing work, Lamichael and Samaje. I'm going to assume. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Samaje Pirine saw some decent work in Cincinnati, so I feel like I have to specify this. I, I would prefer Burkhead in this situation. I just think he has the clearest path to touches in New England, and New England's running about 40 times a game when they can actually impose their will. If Swift doesn't play, would you prefer Burkhead, Brita, or Pirine? Yeah, I think regardless of which P. Ryan it is, I would still take Burkhead. It's super funny. For for whatever reason, uh, Samaji P. Ryan is actually the one that triggered in my head first. I was like, I don't know. I guess he gets a few carries. I wouldn't really consider him. But no, versus Burkhead, who plays like right now in the past four weeks, he's actually run more routes than James White. And of course, he's not going to get the bulk of the carries, but you can still project him for between probably five and ten carries and between three and five targets or so. And I mean, I have a few leagues where I'm I'm getting forced into playing these ugly backs, and I think he is the premier ugly back now that like you, like we had Chase Edmonds early in the year that people didn't get a ton out of him. They cut him, and then people realized, oh well, he's just a good PPR back. That's fine. Then we had uh, JD McKissick was another one that like people didn't see any upside in him. The upside is that he's getting you. I don't know. Well, now it's. 14 targets a game, but he was getting you seven, eight targets a game. I think the next iteration of that back is Rex Burkhead where you're just like, I know the upside isn't great. I don't think I, you know, I have a high like floor or ceiling, but it's so much better than you're going to find over almost anyone else on the waiver wire, as long as your Bellages and your Salvin Ahmeds have already been taken. So it's ugly, but I think it's fine. And he's not drawing dead score touchdown either because the offense kind of turned around a bit since uh, the really bad middle of the season for Cam Newton. Yeah, you're, you're definitely not wrong here. It's a tough situation to evaluate. Hopefully you just get DeAndre Swift playing, but I'm with you. Next question we have is starting two out of this group of players. It is Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Gibson, and Mike Davis. This is actually a tough decision, but at least they're serviceable options, so congrats to you here. Mm-hmm. I actually don't mind Ezekiel Elliott. I think his, his volume is probably the most locked in here. Mike Davis would be next for me. I think a lot of what Mike Davis, I guess, lack thereof his production last week was influenced by him suffering a hand injury. And I think Mike Davis would be the second guy here. Antonio Gibson does find himself as a favorite this week. I still am a little concerned with him splitting time with JD McKissick, however. So it would be Ezekiel Elliott and Mike Davis for me. Antonio Gibson would be the odd man out. Don't feel great about it. They're all good options. How would you approach the situation, Kyle? Yeah, Zeke was pretty clearly the choice for me. I just think, you know, these are all probably uh, like three offenses that uh, are not awfully exciting, especially when you look at potentially Mike Davis getting a backup quarterback. Not sure what the situation will end up with him, but all offenses are some level of mediocre or worse, but you get the most volume on the, you know, unamusing offense by playing Ezekiel Elliott. So it was 
pretty clear that I would take him. I'll, I'll go with you on Mike Davis as well. I just think that you're going to get similar rushing work to Antonio Gibson, and Gibson just hasn't been able to unseat J.D. McKissick as the pass catcher. McKissick, I believe, has 29 targets in the past two games, which is just nuts. Whereas, like, I don't think Gibson is going to have that, uh, like, the potential to take that role away from him. Mike Davis, not as many targets as he saw in his first three starts, but he sh- still should be the number one pass catching back for his team. So I'll just lock in the volume if I don't think, like, any one of these offenses is, like, a super incredible place to target like more, you know, 10 carries. Like I'm trying to think of like Chase Edmonds is kind of the example of I'm fine taking a little bit of risk saying, I know he's not like he's already played. So it doesn't really matter, but I know I'm fine saying like, well, Chase Edmonds is only going to get four, four or five targets and four or five carries, but those come with the caveat that they're on a great offense. There really aren't many situations like that that we can find right now. I think Kalen Delage, like you talk about is probably the best one in the absence of that. I lean on volume. I agree with you. I'm, I'm always a pro. You and I play fantasy football in very similar ways. We are always approaching volume more than anything else. The next question we have is a QB question. It is Justin Herbert versus Cam Newton. For me, it's pretty easy. I'll take Justin Herbert. Just give me the more efficient passer, a team that runs a ton of plays too, and they draw a very nice matchup this week. What do you make of Justin Herbert and Cam Newton? Yep, completely agree. Incredibly efficient passer, throwing touchdowns at a crazy clip, and he sustained it pretty much all year as well. Good cast of weapons. I mean, when you look at the weapons, maybe maybe it doesn't matter too much for Cam Newton because his weapons are his legs. That's his greatest weapon. But man, I I, I can see how uh, I can see how Tom Brady might have wanted to leave this team now that Jacoby Myers is the top pass catching option. It's a uh, it's tough tough sledding out there. So you're really relying on like either probably you're really relying on getting there on the ground, specifically a rushing touchdown. And although that's certainly not bad, I still think he's a low end QB one. Justin Herbert has performed like a top five quarterback since taking over. I'm just going to keep rolling with him for sure. Someone asks in the chat, will Alvin Kamara play this week? He was downgraded to DNP yesterday with a foot injury. He said himself that he'll be ready to go. I wouldn't have any concern yet unless he misses practice today and you get like a Shefty bomb saying he's a game time decision. Otherwise, I think Kamara's fine. Let's see here. From our good friend Steve Boynton in the chat, Deontay Johnson or Duke Johnson? And he specifies this is an awful non-PPR league. Man. (laughs) So for me personally, it's going to be Deontay I think Deontay just has more upside than Duke Johnson at this point. I think, I, I guess if you just want someone who is probably a safer floor, it's Duke. So maybe this depends on the situation of your league. If you are a team that is, I don't know, maybe you played someone that busted on Thursday night and you just need reliable fantasy points. Maybe you played Duke. If you need more upside, say you went against, I don't know, like even Chase Edmonds had a pretty good game. If you went against one of those guys, maybe you play Deontay Johnson. But ultimately, I think Deontay is the better play, just raw points. What do you make of the two Johnsons? Yeah, even in uh, non-PPR, I still think you just get as many, if not more, yards and more likelihood of scoring a touchdown by playing Deontay. And I'll agree that because targets are fluky and Deontay Johnson, I guess the injury risk, but more that like <laughs> if he only gets only if he gets seven or eight targets and just for whatever reason, the wind carries a few of them, that uh, like the volatility that is inherent in getting seven targets versus 16 carries and three targets and low ADOT targets for Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson probably has a higher floor, but I'm generally looking at the higher median, higher ceiling outcome when I'm looking at these kinds of things. And I think Deontay is quite clearly that. I agree. Someone asked Carlton, any interest in lion stacks? I'm assuming you probably have like Marvin Jones and then you're looking to Stafford as like a streaming quarterback. I think that's fine. Stafford has the thumb injury on his throwing hand. But by all indications, this is not something that anyone appears to believe is serious. Stafford threw three touchdowns last week. I think he's fine. 
I, I think you can certainly get to Stafford if you need a streaming option. He's not my favorite, but I think he's definitely in, you know, that middle of the pack range. Any love for Stafford with you? Yeah, it's a perfectly fine streaming option. And I think uh, at this point in a lot of leagues, all of the like decent streaming options have kind of been picked up for the most part. So if he's available, he probably does end up being the best you have out there. Unless like, would you take him over Taysom Hill? I guess it's kind of the perfect question. It's two completely opposite quarterbacks. One in Stafford doesn't give you anything with his legs, but I still believe in the way he's played is like, he's a very solid like franchise level passer. Whereas Taysom Hill, I don't like has been a perfectly fine passer at best, but really what you're looking for is, is the legs. Which one do you go with in that situation? I would take Taysom Hill. I, I had yeah. that decision in my league. Stafford's available. I'm starting Taysom Hill. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's what I go with too. I think it, like, unless you're looking at a Justin Herbert level passer, like in the last question, I'm going to rely on the floor that rushing gives me. Although when you look at like, you know, Justin Herbert, uh, like Patrick Mahomes, these guys, they don't need rushing floor. They are so good at passing. Deshaun Watson, you know, offers a little bit of legs, but they're so good at passing that it doesn't matter. Stafford doesn't reach that level to me where he's not that good as a passer that I think like he just can't fail. Whereas like these Russian quarterbacks do really lock themselves into really high floors. God, Lafayette started something bad with the Salvin Ahmed nicknames and Salmonhead. It's coming up in the chat. Salmonhead's in the chat. Where are you at? Lafayette started in this nonsense. Anyway, okay. Chris G asks, top two, out of Devontae Parker, Mike Williams, or Jamison Crowder? This is a tough one. I think for me, it's going to be Devontae Parker and Mike Williams with the, I guess, reemergence of Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims. I don't know that Jamison Crowder is going to be locked into his typical 30% target share. There's actually legitimate, not practice squad level receivers competing with him mm-hmm. at this point. I'm very high on Mims, and I think Perriman's actually better than maybe some of the early years of his career. So I'm going to take Mike Williams, who I just like his overall involvement in a high-powered offense, and Devontae Parker's the clear number one in that Miami that Miami offense. What would you do here between Devontae Parker, Mike Williams, and Jamison Crowder? Yeah, I had the same concerns with Crowder that I think like we think of him as almost like this dominant target share receiver. But in recent weeks, that just hasn't been the case. And I think there's a few things behind that. One, they like you said, they haven't had a healthy receiving core at all this season. It was really, I think three weeks ago when Denzel Mims returned, that was the first time we got to see. And even like Rashad Perriman, I believe suffered a concussion in those early weeks that Mims was back. So this is the first time, like last week, I think maybe the week before were the first times that we saw a fully healthy receiving core. And it has not been the same, you know, 12 target upside, like Keenan Allen style at Jamison Crowder play. So for that reason, I think we're probably going to end up overvaluing Jamison Crowder going forward. So for that reason, I'm actually going to knock him out and I will take the other two receivers. It was Mike Williams and Devontae Parker, I believe. You're on yeah, I'll, I'll take those take those two guys just because I'm concerned not only with the target share for Jamison Crowder, but I'm not even like concerned with the offense. I just know it's a downright bad offense. So we got we got a follow up question that I missed initially. Sorry about this. Uh, I forget who asked it. It was about it was the same gentleman that asked the situation regarding DeAndre Swift. So he says Adrian Peterson is also available. This is I'm just going to throw this to you as a hypothetical. So say DeAndre Swift sits. What do you think the backfield split is like between Adrian Peterson and Carrion Johnson? Is there one you prefer, one you feel like very comfortable with? What What do you make of the Lions' backfield, assuming DeAndre Swift sits? Yeah, I think we'd probably see a lot of Adrian Peterson. I think Carrion Johnson is a fine enough pass catcher that he'd probably, if they were to have one, work in on third downs more. My guess is they just wouldn't throw their running backs a lot because none of them are particularly adept pass catchers outside of DeAndre Swift. And Adrian Peterson was always the one who was taking the work away for the most part 
from uh, from DeAndre Swift. So for that reason, I, I think Adrian Peterson will probably come out and get 15 plus carries. Maybe not a lot of targets, but at this point, like we, we're talking about, like playing Rex Burkhead and Kalen Balaj off the waiver wire. I think outside of outside of like Balaj and Ahmed, Adrian Peterson would probably be the number one waiver wire pickup. I think so too. I don't feel good about it. Like I just I, in my in my heart, I want the carries to go to carry on. I, I think carry on is the better back overall. Uh, Jordan says he has some sort of salmon head graphic for you guys. Oh my God. I hope we don't, I don't know what we're getting ourselves into at this point. Lafay really started this like whole weird trend with the Salvin Ahmed nickname thing, just because of the way I am. I'm like delayed a little bit. I don't know why I'm, Anyway, I'm going to ask the next question while this, this comes yeah, up. Yeah, go for it. We'll, we'll just we'll just keep talking until, oh, my God, I just saw it. I still haven't seen it yet. But, gee, Jordan, you made this. <laughs> this is absolutely absurd. I am completely done with this joke. I want no part of it. I'm Lafayette, all in for this joke. I'm done. All right. Our next question, should I give away J.D. McKissick and Brian Brandon Ayuk for Raheem Mostert. This is from Kush T in the chat. I personally think no. I think in the best of circumstances, Mostert splits time with Tevin Coleman, really whoever's healthy in that backfield. Brandon Ayuk right now is functioning as the wide receiver one without Debo. Still not sure when he will return. And McKissick does give you quiet PPR value as well. So I personally would not do that trade. What about you, Kyle? It is McKissick and Ayuk for Raheem Mostert. Um, McKissick and Ayuk for Raheem Mostert. I'd, I'd go with Raheem Mostert here. I guess it really depends on your situation though. If you can, if you have like a good stable of like two or three running backs, I would just shoot for Raheem Mostert because his ceiling is so much better. Whereas like, if you cannot afford to take a zero at run, like if you were going to trade away McKissick and get a zero at running back this week, you can't like, you can't take that zero. That zero could be the difference between you making the playoffs and not. So I think it just depends on the floor ceiling situation. As far as I heard most recently, or I read most recently, all of the 49ers that are expected to be coming back should be coming back after their bye week. So that is, uh, I believe that is Debo, Mostert, and Tevin Coleman, I believe is the other one. So I would say Mostert probably the best ceiling play. And if you can afford to just punt the rest of these players for a ceiling option, Mostert has the highest ceiling by far. If you are on the fringe of making the playoffs, like if you are, you know, a 500 or just over 500 team and you can't be afforded, like affording to lose at running back this week, I wouldn't trade away the, the target value you get from McKissick. When you said the 49ers players are coming back after the bye, that doesn't include Kittle, right? No, it doesn't, doesn't include Kittle and doesn't include uh, Jimmy. It's just the ones who were more weak, like day-to-day okay. slash I wanted to really yeah. specify that. Okay. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dang it, I was excited. I know. He's in your he's in your high stakes league, exactly. I dropped him. So. I had to. Anyway. No, I, he's not coming back this season, at least in the regular season. Doesn't look like so. I'm sorry. All right. Before we move on, guys, hit that thumbs up button if you're in the chat. Appreciate all your questions very much. Keep throwing them there. We also have a couple of specials running right now at Osmo.com. You can get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes full access to all premium content and tools on Osmo.com, including player projections, ownership projections, premium Slack, and so much more. Maybe you're on a budget, though, and you need a cheaper option. Right now, we have a special for new members only. If you head over to Osmo.com and get an NFL Express weekly pass, it is just $1 when you use promo code Mayflower at checkout. This pass now includes access to all the tools and content for showdown and single game slates, including the player projections, ownership projections, top plays tool. Sign up now to get access 
for four showdown slates, including Thanksgiving Day. This is valid through November 26th. And I did this yesterday, but I'm pretty sure that's Thanksgiving. Don't make me do math, especially <laughs> in my head. Excel does all my math for me. You guys know this at this point. I actually can't do mental math. All right. Back to the questions in the chat. Keep them rolling through. From Alex, we have one point PPR. Have Kamara and James Conner as my top two running backs. I need a wide receiver two and a flex. Wide receiver one was already DK. Okay. So wide receiver two and a flex, we have to choose between Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, J.D. McKissick, Kenny Galladay, Lazard, Lat Murray, and Bell. Bell, I'm guessing, is Le'Veon Bell? There are so other we need Bells. to fill wide receiver first. Let's pick the best wide receiver. Kenny G practiced this week. I don't know for sure that he'll play. I think if active, Kenny G is my number one out of this group because we need to pick one wide receiver for sure. So let's isolate this first. Out of the wide receivers, Kyle, would you take Kenny Galladay, Lazard, Deontay Johnson, or Chase Claypool? I think I actually have my answer for both. I'm doubling the Pittsburgh receivers here, although I would say that if Kenny Galladay does play, he doesn't in the conversation. I just think the efficiency and the overall volume we've seen from this Pittsburgh team has been, like, so good. They, they can, like it, – it's difficult to pick which one every week. Last week it was an every week one, it was, and I think, believe they have two of them are on back-to-back 15-plus uh, PPR point games. So I'm fine with doubling the Pittsburgh receivers. I think the like the worst case scenario is that you lock in a bad game from one of them, and it likely means you at least got a good, if not really good game from the other one. So those are the two for me. Uh, it's easy to say because they're both receivers. I don't, uh, you know, I don't have to pick and choose which uh, receiver of the bunch. I like all the receivers. So I would lock in both Pittsburgh receivers. Although if Kenny Galladay does play, uh, you know, assuming you're making a similar choice as I am, which one are you benching? I, I still think you're probably keeping Deontay Johnson. I think the target floor has just been so good when he's healthy. Although, I mean, Chase Claypool, grown man, Jesus. And like nine touchdowns, I think he's coming up on uh, like 10 or 11 is the most since 2000 by a rookie. He is so good. So uh, it's difficult to sit someone with his talent on the bench, but I'm still going to lean on volume. So I will go Johnson and Galladay. If Galladay suffers any setbacks or anything, I'd double Pittsburgh. I'm that's hundred percent what I would do. I was just for the purpose of this exercise, assuming Galladay was healthy, he'd be my wide receiver one. And then Johnson's my number two. He would be the guy I start in the flex. If Kenny Galladay's out, I would also double the Pittsburgh receivers from PK. How about James Connor, Robbie Anderson, and Will Fuller for a lone flex spot in a half point PPR league. I think this, the real question here is how much does uh, Bridgewater affect Robbie Anderson? Because if we have a healthy Teddy Bridgewater, I think Robbie Anderson's locked and loaded the guy you go to. Without Bridgewater, I think it becomes more of a conversation. And honestly, I'm probably looking between Fuller and Anderson still. I think just based on Anderson's target share, he has to be the pick. Who would you go with? Yeah, I think I think uh, I'd go. I definitely go Robbie Anderson if we get like a even modestly healthy Teddy Bridgewater. His both his target share and his air yard share have been so good because he's not just Jamison Crowder. So Jamison Crowder is a guy who can rack up low eight out targets in that Jarvis Landry mold. Robbie Anderson is like the the chain moving target hog, which is kind of kind of rare. It puts him in this rarefied air of like actual alpha receivers. So I'd actually say even if we miss Teddy Bridgewater, like I'd probably still go with Robbie Anderson. I feel less confident if Teddy Bridgewater is out, but like I said, I think we just fall back on the targets at that point. I mean, maybe you could argue potentially a Will Fuller because he's going to see arguably less targets, but they will be vastly more efficient and more accurate. I still think I go with Robbie Anderson though. And maybe that's just like my unwavering faith in Philip Walker. <laughs> Dude, Philip Walker, XFL I'm star. I'm with you, man. He played well. I, I think he'll be fine enough. Now, I mean, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, you have those explosive receivers you can backdoor your yeah. way into a productive game. 
Someone asks, do we think New Orleans starting Taysom Hill is just so their opponent prepares for the wrong quarterback? I don't think so. This is like NFL football is a little different than other leagues like college. Sometimes you'll see this, but NFL, there's beat reporters at practice. The guy who's taking first team reps in practice, that's the guy they're going to put on the field. They're not going to waste those opportunities. So I, I don't think there's any merit to Taysom Hill being a smokescreen play. Uh, Steve Boyden is very interested in college basketball. Asked me about Kobe King and Thorthur Jarnerson. Kobe King's not on Nebraska anymore. So we, is that how you say that? Thor Thor Garnerson? Yes. I saw that. I looked at it and I was like, I hope this question doesn't come to me. That's a college basketball question. We'll leave Good. that for the college basketball slates. Tip off is next Wednesday. Get excited, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Steve also asked what he should have for lunch. I don't know, man. I just eat the tuna out of the can. So don't ask me. All right. Next question. Getting to some real. Okay. There's this. I'm delayed here. This is where all the salmon chat stuff comes in. There's about 17 <laughs> salmon comments here, but finally, okay. I found a real football question. Full point PPR season long RB. Would you play Duke Johnson, Salvin Ahmed? Okay. Still part of the salmon thing or Peterson. If Swift is out. So for me, I, I think Duke Johnson has the best locked in volume. You can pull Coles and the other guys. So Duke, I don't think sees a lot of backfield work to really anybody. I mean, like is CJ Prozai's going to take work from him. I'd say no Salvin Ahmed. They do return Matt Breida. I don't think Breida siphons too much work, but it's at least a concern. Peterson, there's the same concern with Carrion Johnson. So give me Duke Johnson out of those three. Again, Kyle, it's Duke, Salvin Ahmed, and Adrian Peterson, assuming Swift is out. Yeah, yeah. Even assuming Swift is out, I would still roll with Duke here. He didn't cede a single carry to anyone outside of Deshaun Watson in terms of the running backs, and CJ Procise caught one pass. So I think it's pretty clear that you are getting at worst, the same percentage of the backfield carries as someone like Ahmed, but you're getting more more targets. I think Ahmed got like one target last week, and we saw a little bit of like Patrick Laird and DeAndre Washington as third down backs with Breida potentially back. I think he could like it's probably the median projection is one target for Ahmed, who I still like. But if I can lock in more volume on just as good, if not a better offense with Duke Johnson, I'm going to go with that. I agree. It's Duke Johnson for me. A common trend just between Kyle and I is picking volume out of these situations. Aaron Wade asks thoughts on Kalen Blage. This is on our topical note sheet. I just prepare behind the scenes in case the questions go dry for a little bit. And my question to Kyle on the sheet is Kalen Balaj and RB one this week. And I tried to give him a one V one. If he prefers Kalen Balaj or Zeke Elliott, maybe we can make this a two part question because I never thought we would like coming into 2020 Kyle, Did you ever think you would be answering the question? Should I start Kalen Balaj or Zeke Elliott? I, if you said, should I start Kalen, like if you, I would not have thought you would have mentioned the name Kalen Balaj. I would have bet the under on mentions of Kalen Balaj's name, 0.5. I would have bet the under on that period. Not should I start him over, of all players, Ezekiel Elliott. I would have imagined we would not talk about him once. So the fact that we are talking about him in the context of versus Ezekiel Elliott is absolutely berserk. This is a really difficult one because this does come into the threshold of, of course, I like volume, but I understand that we've seen even like versus the Cardinals was Andy Dalton's one start. They were a terrible offense. I believe it was versus the Cardinals. So it does come into the range of volume is not all equal. I like volume, but some volume is better than others. Targets from Joe Flacco are not the same as targets from Patrick Mahomes. The same thing holds with carries on a Cowboys offense that now seems pretty decrepit versus le probably less carries on a on a Chargers offense that gets like the GOAT matchup, massive favorites. I think I'm doing Kalen Balaj. Am I crazy? No, I, to answer Aaron's question, I love Kalen Balaj this week. I think he's a back-end RB1. 
And it's not just because I like, I don't think Kalen Balazs is any supreme talent. I like the offense a lot. He was used as a pass catcher. This team plays extremely fast. So even if Joshua Kelly plays on I don't 25% of the snaps, Kalen Balazs still should see 15 plus touches, which puts him in play in a very, very good matchup. So I, I like Kalen Balazs quite a bit. Dakota asks, question here, should I start Gio Bernard, Mike Williams, Gallup, or he can also drop Gallup Gallup and pick up someone like Alan Lazard, Curtis Samuel, or Tim Patrick. For me, I think it's a pretty easy start. I'll go Mike Williams. Uh, A week ago, I would have told you Gio Bernard, but then we see him cede some work to Samaj P. Ryan. Don't love that. Gallup, I still think he's the third pass catcher at best in a shaky offense. I think they'll bounce back, but again, I'm there's just a lot of uncertainty there with Dallas. So give me Mike Williams, best receiver here on the best team in the best matchup. Are you going the same way? Yep. Best receiver, best team. And I don't think his role should be that much different. I know, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, we had like Gallup lead the team in targets, but in the first three starts without Dak Prescott, it was different quarterbacks. I think every time they had a different receiver every week, lead the lead the team in targets. So for that reason, I don't think we can draw too much from what we've seen. I more rely on the early season where Zamari Cooper as like a one, a CD lamb as a one B and Gallup as like an efficient, but distantly used number three receiver. I don't think that's quite the case. I think it's more of a clear number two receiver with Mike Williams and the offense is simply going to be better. So probably more targets, definitely a better offense. And yeah, with Gio, like I think he almost split running work evenly with P Ryan, which is uh, like another player. I didn't think I'd actually be talking about. And he's one of the ones where you see them come up on your feed. Like if you're watching like, like DK live, we'll just give you the, uh, the play-by-play of every single game. And I see his name come up. I'm like, who the hell is this guy running for? I have no clue. Deonta Foreman is another guy that whenever he comes up on the feed, I'm like, what, what team even? I, I was surprised to see Samaj P. Ryan too. It's funny, yeah. him and Joe Mixon were college teammates at Oklahoma. Now oh, yeah. Was, now they're on the same team. Yeah, Joe Mixon was seeding some work to P. Ryan at, at OU. We have a Taysom Hill question. Again, it is Taysom Hill versus Kirk Cousins. I prefer Taysom Hill in this situation, okay. and I kind of just want to go through an exercise. Like, who do we prefer Taysom Hill over? I'm just looking at the list of available quarterbacks right now. It's, you know, like I definitely prefer him over someone like Alex Smith. I prefer, prefer him over someone like JP Walker, Cam Newton. I think I still would prefer Taysom Hill, which is crazy to me at this point. Carson Wentz, I would prefer Taysom Hill. Baker Mayfield, maybe Taysom Hill. Yep. Taysom, Taysom, Taysom. I think it gets debatable when we start getting to guys like Ben Roethlisberger or, you know, Tannehill, someone who's been very efficient or like Tua Tagovailoa. So that's kind of where I'm drawing I don't know, the hard line in the sand. I prefer Taysom Hill basically over any of the quarterbacks that are probably on the waiver wire. Once you start getting into the locked in starters, like Ben Roethlisberger is probably where I'm going to draw the line. Where's that line for you with Taysom Hill? Yeah, I think it's it's that exact same spot. It's just deciphering which like pass only quarterbacks I would play him over. I think the line probably splits exactly between between uh, it would be Ben Roethlisberger and then like Stafford and Tannehill, I guess like runs a tiny bit, but it's mostly those guys. I think Ben Roethlisberger just meets the threshold of, I think he's a good enough pass passer, high implied team total and awesome weapons to where I would take him over Taysom Hill. And then it's probably Taysom Hill over Tannehill, Taysom Hill over Stafford, slightly over Tua. I think just a little bit, maybe that's just because I think like I, I don't see Denver putting up much of a fight. So Tua could just not have to throw a lot, not have to play aggressive. So I will take him over anyone outside of outside of Ben Roethlisberger, who I'm assuming like even Ben, you probably can't find on your waiver wire. You might still be able to find Tua though. I would take him over Tua, take him over Stafford. And the guys you start off that list with, it wasn't even close. I'm taking him over all of these scrubs. How about Derek Carr? We're talking season long. So Derek Carr, he's of course not on the DraftKings or FanDuel main slate, but you can play him in season long for sure. He's playing the Chiefs. That game is a 56 and a half point total. 
Derek Carr has been quietly efficient. I think this is probably the best debate we're going to have with Taysom Hill. I think I'm still going to go with Taysom Hill specifically because if they actually do manage to keep it close, which I don't think is awfully likely, but I do think there's a scenario where as long as they're playing within a touchdown or maybe even like 10 points, we've seen that all they want to do is run the football. They don't want to throw with Derek Carr. And he has been efficient. He's been surprisingly efficient, you know, given that like they haven't even worked in Henry Ruggs that much and he's still just throwing quite well. So he is not a bad streaming option. I just think the rushing floor, like my floor is exponentially higher with a Taysom Hill than it is with a Derek Carr. I do think their ceilings probably come very close. You maybe even argue that uh, like Derek Carr could have a higher ceiling in the shootout. I would say though, I'm going to go with the the rushing potential. I'd say Derek Carr probably falls right. Like those are probably one, two for me in terms of like the kind of waiver wire guys. It'd be like Ben, Taysom, and then, and then Derek Carr, and then like slotting, you know, your Stafford's behind them, Ryan Tannehill's guys like that. Me too. Me too. I'm with you. Before we move on, guys, today's show sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Going deep into the flex position here, we have, it's a, it's a PPR league specified. CeeDee Lamb, Cooper Cup, or Leonard Fournette? This one's from Nicole. I think it is Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup being the, I maybe not clear-cut number one wide receiver in his offense, but let, let's call him 1A because Robert Woods is still very involved, but Cooper Cup leading in targets. So the 1A there, going against Tampa, it's not a great matchup, but this game still does have a sizable total. It's a 48.5 point total. We've seen the Rams be very pass-heavy when they're trailing in games. They're projected to lose this game by four points, according to bookmakers. I'll take Cooper Cup. Again, your choices, Kyle, are Cup, CeeDee Lamb, or Leonard Fournette. Yeah, Leonard Fournette never even thought about it. He's basically just been used as like a pass catching back. He's like tall Theo Riddick or something. To what a role for that guy. How did that happen? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Of all things, to be like to be a pass catching back. I mean, he like I know he got a lot of targets last year, but he wasn't like incredibly efficient on them. So yeah, it is a very strange sight to see giant Leonard Fournette, who's like he's, he's big and fast. Like he is a very impressive, like size adjusted speed athlete, but to just use him as theoretic is crazy. But that's all they do with him, at least in the recent weeks, that's all they've done with him. So never even thought about him. And uh, Cooper Cup, yeah, I, you could argue 1A, 1B, whatever. You're locking in more targets on a pretty solid offense, or at least decent passing offense in a game that should feature a lot of points versus Tampa Bay, I believe. Good game environment, good targets for Cooper Cup. I'm going to roll with Cup still, although it has been a, a bit of a downturn in recent weeks, specifically because of Josh Reynolds. Maybe you, you could argue, I know we saw um, Cooper Cup pop up in the injury report a few times with this wrist injury. He's played through it every time. I'm not concerned that he won't play. It's more just that maybe this is why like he's not producing as much as we'd want. But I don't know. Our priors should be stronger than two weeks of disappointment. I agree with you. I'm on Cooper Cup in that situation, too. A really good one here is DJ Moore versus Duke Johnson. This is from from Carter. I think this highly depends on Bridgewater's status. I believe Robbie Anderson's the alpha in that offense, but if Bridgewater plays, I would prefer DJ Moore. If we get a little more uncertainty with Phil Walker as the starter, just give me Duke Johnson. I'll take the locked-in touches there with Duke, not knowing what the efficiency for DJ Moore will be. How do you approach that dichotomy? Oh, what was the split again? I was arguing with someone in chat. DJ Moore, Duke Johnson. DJ Moore, Duke Johnson. Uh, yeah, I think this is one that it does come down to the status of uh, of Teddy Bridgewater. They even said that they were thinking, I mean, I saw Levitan retweeted something that said they were going to potentially rotate their backup quarterbacks. And like, I, I 
wholeheartedly subscribe to the philosophy that if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Like that, the fact that a backup quarterback or a second quarterback gets in the game likely means that you're just playing like crap anyway. So, and you are not a college football fan then. I know, I know, no. It's, uh, does it actually work? Are there college teams that can actually successfully run multi-quarterback schemes? Usually, no. I was gonna say that's that's why the, I, that's where the saying comes from, is my knowledge. Is these like college teams that enter the season like rotating their quarterbacks, and all of them are bad or whatever. So I'd be concerned with DJ Moore, especially because I would imagine that his routes, being the higher A dot routes than like a Robbie Anderson, are more difficult to hit. I think that's something we've kind of experienced at times with Michael Gallup, is that he gets a decent amount of targets, and like no Ben Tanucci is not gonna hit him twenty yards downfield. So because of that, DJ Moore could fall into that same territory, especially if like. Will Greer gets involved. I just don't trust that Will Greer is going to be able to hit him. So I'd go with Duke, locking the volume. You know, maybe not uh, the most efficient volume because sort of been like a Chicago situation where no running back is able to produce. But I continue to believe that the the history of volume equaling production is stronger than you know a not great season. And even David Johnson was like able to score touchdowns because this is a good offense. So I'm locking in touches on a good offense. Although I still like DJ Moore a lot. I just think his floor is probably a lot lower. Agreed. Agreed. I'm uh, we're in lockstep here. From John Johnson in the chat, Kenny Galladay or Jamison Crowder, if Galladay plays. Obviously, if he doesn't play, easy decision for you. It's Galladay. He's just the alpha in their offense. Crowder, there's more questions regarding his situation, given Mims and Perriman are back. Same for you? Yeah, same for me. I think the just the questions, like you said, the questions around the situation are enough to, to not be excited about it. We have a pick-two situation from Coulter. I'm guessing we have Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Man, this guy got him both. Congrats Ooh. to you. So he is Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Justin Jefferson, Deontay Johnson. Give me both Atlanta receivers. What is it for you? Yep, completely agree. I think we need to still monitor the status of Calvin Ridley. Like, I don't think they've officially said he's playing or anything, but if he's healthy, man, like, yeah, just double lock up all of this awesome passing volume. Like, it's been an efficient and highly voluminous passing attack. And they get like a, a good game environment versus uh, New Orleans. I think it should just be a, a lot of scoring in that game and their underdog. So everything lines up to just like anytime, like I get it. It's not like DFS. You're not double stacking necessarily. And you, it doesn't sound like you have the quarterback. Maybe you would have mentioned it. I'm locking in two, like two alpha receivers. They're both alpha receivers. They happen to play on the same team. They both score on a fantasy points. No reason to shy away. And I wouldn't be worried about like one eating into the other. If one has a bad game, it's likely because the other one absolutely annihilated. For sure. Antonio Brown or DJ Moore? This one's also from Carter. Uh, give me DJ Moore still. We've talked a lot about him, so I won't belabor his points, but Antonio Brown, he's just the wide receiver three in a Tampa Bay offense. I'll take DJ Moore, his more clear role over Antonio Brown. What is it for you? Yep, I'll take the role. We've still seen like a really good air yard share from DJ Moore, and his target share has even come up a little bit in recent weeks, maybe at the expense of um, Mike Davis, who's kind of not getting a lot of targets. Maybe, maybe it's just randomness or whatever, but even early in the season when he wasn't getting targeted that much, gets a lot of air yards which is good maybe it's less good when you have a quarterback who isn't as accurate so i'll still take the volume because like you said antonio brown an awesome number three receiver but still very clearly a number three and they even have like tight ends i mean specifically gronk but even break can do something where they have pass catchers at all points of the field number one number two receiver tight ends even leonard fournette gets a lot of targets for not getting a ton of carries so the target squeeze is really probably going to be put on antonio brown you're kind of relying on that one long touchdown. It is certainly possible. I just don't like the fact that if he goes out and gets three targets, I will not be surprised at all, but I will be holding very few fantasy points. It's a receiving back, Leonard Fournette. <laughs> what did I, what, did I call I'm him running back? Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't run. Yeah. I'm just kidding, man. Um, he's like, you he's, he's Curtis fancy, Samuel in that way, you know? Fancy theoretic. That was a good, that was a good call. All right, let's see here. Pick two out of Michael Thomas, Cooper Cup, T Higgins, or Justin Jefferson. 
I'll take Michael Thomas and Justin Jefferson. You laid out the concerns for a cup, not quite the same role we saw early in the year, perhaps injury, perhaps not. Cincinnati is pretty variance on a week to week basis. They have a lot of people that catch passes there. Auden Tate's even been getting involved a little bit recently. Mm -hmm. So I'll take the two alphas and Jefferson and Michael Thomas. Again, here are your four choices. We need two of them. Michael Thomas, Cooper cup, T Higgins and Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Justin Jefferson took over as the starter in week three. What does that give him? Like seven games played probably has four 100-yard games. The rookie record, I believe, is seven. So he is looking like one of the all-time like great rookie producers, frankly. I'm not going to go away from that at all. And the matchup is free. It's one of the worst defenses in the league in Dallas. And yeah, I'm going to cling to my priors on Michael Thomas. Like as long as he is on the field, we should expect him to get a lot of targets, catch a lot of passes, and rack up yards. I know that has not been the case this year between injuries. And even when he's been on the field, it hasn't been the same, but I'm going to keep rolling with it until I lose all my money or he's back to normal. Those are the two outcomes. I love it. Justin Jefferson's the wide receiver one in Minnesota. If you guys didn't, oh, yeah. he has oh, been yeah. for a while. Adam Thielen, he's not dust, but he's not the wide he's receiver. He's a solid red zone weapon. He's like a tight end. He's a good ancillary option. Yeah. But before we get to our last couple of questions here, we have about 10 minutes left guys hit that thumbs up button. Over 70 of you watching, plenty of good questions so far. We appreciate you all very much. Giving you guys some free stuff. Of course, there is free content at Osmo every single day. And today we have NFL ownership projections. I think the most, arguably the most valuable tool we have at Osmo. They're free today. We also have UFC ownership projections free. And my favorite tool of all, Odd Shopper. If you are a sports better and you haven't checked out Odd Shopper, make sure you do so. Everything you could possibly need for sports bets, you can look at lines, totals, even player props. You can search players by name and find their props all across the major books. This helps you find the best price, get the best return on your investment in the long run. It's significant for your bankroll overall. And a couple other cool little tools you can use with the Odd Shopper tool. You can track your bets. You can get alerts when bets hit a certain price. Imagine the Packers are minus three and you want to get a better line on this. You can set this alert so it tells you when the line changes. I don't know. That's a big deal to me. This is all at oddshopper.osmo.com, and it is free to you. So make sure you check that out. Very good tool for your sports betting needs. Last couple of questions we have, of course, guys, if you have some, throw them into the chat. Matt, did you get your birthday present yet, a.k.a. a TV? No, I did not get a TV in the last 24 hours. A lot of the chat has found out about my lifestyle. I don't know what I think about this, but we have a couple other real NFL questions. This is sad, but my only options, MVS or Pittman or Aglor, unnecessary roughness gives this, this chat. I think you might be dealing with a little better situation than you think, my friend. I, am I was going to say the same thing. I am very high on Michael Pittman. Kyle, tell me why we like Michael Pittman so much. One, Michael Pittman is probably good. So I think there are a few things to look at. One, he had like an above average college dominator. He looks like a decent athlete. And most importantly, like our biggest predictor of success still remains, although an imperfect predictor, is his draft capital. A high second round pick team, I believe, traded up for him too. And two, his offense, there is no one else to go to. When you look at like percentage of yards, they have Marcus Johnson, T.Y. Hilton, and Zach Pascal are all outside the top 75 in the cut of pie they have seen in terms of the yardage. No one in this offense has been able to produce outside of Michael Pittman, who I believe had like a, like a compartment syndrome. It's like a thing that happens in your leg and you have to get surgery for it. Missed a few weeks in the middle of the season. Comes back almost immediately and getting like five, six targets a game. Last week, we saw eight targets, seven catches, over 100 yards, maybe exactly 100 yards, either 100 or 101. 
He's the only good receiver they have on a passing offense that isn't that bad. They're fine. Phillip Rivers is still able to get the ball to his receivers. I don't think he's that good, but he's good enough. He's good enough to get the ball to essentially his only good wide receiver because no one else has been able to be a meaningful contributor on this offense. So you've got good receiver plus good enough volume, like good volume plus a good enough quarterback. Everything is set up for him to be like a weekly flex option going forward. So yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, I, you know, keep your head up on necessary roughness. This is actually a decent, uh, a decent receiving room you've got going here, especially with, I like MBS. I really like Michael Pittman. Yeah, I love Michael Pittman. Very high on him long-term too. We have a question about defenses. Just what defenses are we interested in this week? So I went ahead and pulled up ownership for season-long leagues, just looking at how owned certain defenses are. And I tried to isolate this so we could look at teams that were available in over 50% of leagues. And I, there was one that clearly stood out to me. I'll read you off a few, Kyle, because you don't have this in front of you, just so you can get some Thank context. You. But I think Washington is very clearly the number one. They're available in over 50% of leagues. They're facing a Cincinnati offensive line, which has had many, many struggles. Washington, they're a very strong defense, but their strength is their pass rush with Chase Young. So I'll take that matchup against a poor Cincinnati offensive line. In the same range, here are a couple other defenses I think people may be considering. Green Bay taking on Indianapolis, Tennessee versus Baltimore. We have Denver, Miami. We have Houston taking on New England. Anything stand out to you among that group, or is it Washington as well? I mean, for me, I hope you can find Washington. It's really weird because I feel like people often overrate the talent of defenses when they look for, like, season-long defenses. And if there was anything you would point to for Washington, is they have a wealth of talent on their front seven, spending first-round draft pick after first-round draft pick, building up this monstrous defensive line and, like, edge-rushing unit. And people don't, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just because they're a bad overall team, but that doesn't prohibit them from putting up a ton of fantasy points against a, a offensive line that probably wasn't good to start with and then has been ravaged by injuries. And they're still going to be dropping back a ton. That is uh, Joe Burrow, like one of the most used, most throwing quarterbacks in the league. That is a ton of opportunity for sacks, turnovers, you know, even just getting pressure and forcing interceptions. So it's Washington or bust. I mean, the way Cam Newton played in the middle of the year maybe would give you some hope for playing Houston. I guess they'd arguably be my like next best choice because I don't know why not. Outside of that, like I think two is probably too efficient. He doesn't seem like he'd take a ton of sacks, so you don't get like a ton of upside by facing off against Tua. I mean, Chargers were below 50% before waiver wires ran this week. If you know, maybe if they're still available in 20 or so percent, check for the Chargers because people weren't playing them before. They get a great matchup. But for me, Washington, I hope you can find them. If not, you know, good luck, I guess. Houston, try it. Go for it. Good luck. Yeah, you talk about the Chargers. Fantastic matchup. We had we had a survivor question a little while back. It was Chargers, Lions, or Vikings. I'll take the Chargers out of that situation. I, I think they just have the best matchup. Not typically playing a lot of survivor, but I think that'd be my approach. Any, any yeah. qualms for you? Definitely. I, I guess you'd have to look at, like, is there a better – like, there can't be a better spot for the Chargers coming down the road, though. The Jets is the spot. So, like, I think if you're just looking to maximize this week, it is clearly the Chargers unless there is, like, a next level, which there is, but without having all the schedules in front of me, not knowing, like, the next levels of strategy, trying to maximize your long-term win probability, it's the Chargers, and it's not close. The Jets are one of the worst teams we've seen in the past five years. How about Naheem Hines versus Duke Johnson? For me, it's Duke Johnson. Give me the locked-in volume. Naheem Hines will still split work. I think he's run a little hot on touchdowns, if I do say so myself. Yeah. Yeah, he's run very hot on touchdowns. He still has a decent receiving role, but his receiving role maybe nets him 
two to four more targets than Duke Johnson, and it still locks him in for probably 10 fewer carries. And I know targets are more valuable, even in non-PPR leagues. I think targets still project to be slightly more fantasy points than a carry, but not that much more. You get 10 plus carries when you go Duke Johnson over Hines. So clearly Hines, or clearly Duke for me. All right, yeah, clear, clearly Duke. How about DJ Moore versus Jacoby Myers? It's a half point PPR. I think you just received more upside with DJ Moore. I, I do think the targets are better with Myers, but I'm, for me, I'm still going to go DJ Moore. Maybe this is a situation where you wait for the status of Bridgewater here. What is it for you? I, I don't feel confident in this decision. I think it's probably the closest one we've had all day. I, I'll, I'll say Jacoby Myers just to give you the other side of things. Like he is seeing right now, it's like nearly all. I, 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 okay, so I'll say DJ Moore because I don't really have a strong preference, so I will side with you because I trust your opinion. I will try and sell you on Jacoby Myers just to play devil's advocate we haven't talked about him. He's been playing really well. He's seeing like over 60% of the air yards and right around 40% of the targets for admittedly a very low-volume passing offense. Those market share numbers, though, are like Devontae Adams-esque. He's this like little like light diet Devontae Adams because they have – so few other options like Demir Bird and Nikhil Harry combined for zero targets the last time uh, New England was on the field. So I don't, I, I would still go for the upside because I think the passing attack in New England is, is still pretty scuffed, all things considered, because of how much they want to run. But I, I like Jacoby Myers too. You maybe choose between two players I really like. I will give the most modest of leans to DJ Moore, but I hope you understand that it's no disrespect to Jacoby Myers. No disrespect whatsoever. All right. I think last one we're going to do today, Devontae Booker or Joshua Kelly. Let's get out of here on a bang. Oh. I'm still going to prefer Joshua Kelly. I think there's, uh, I mean, really no upside when you're playing Booker outside of the chance that if they go out and, and somehow, if they go out and somehow stomp Kansas City, Devontae Booker probably gets in a lot at the end of the game. And that is good upside when you're playing a bad opponent like Denver. I, I know they did it last time. I know they beat Kansas City last time. I don't project that to happen again. And for that reason, I do not see any scenario where Devontae Booker gets on the field. Joshua Kelly probably gets on the field for three or four targets and eight, eight carries. I think that's more than you project for Booker. I think so too. Jordan, our producer asks La La Land or Thursday Night Football. Hey guys, don't sleep on La La Land musicals. If you're into that kind of thing, it's a pretty good movie, but that's going to do it for us today. Thank <laughs> you guys so much for watching the show. Thank you for all your fantastic questions. We always have shows every single day. Nothing coming up later today. But as far as upcoming shows tomorrow, we have the college football show. It is live at 945 Eastern time. It is myself and my good friend Ben Raza. So check us out there. Everything college football. We also have a podcast network. If you just missed the show live, you're not interested in having your YouTube screen opened up while you're listening. Anywhere you get podcasts, we can be found. Of course, I am your host. Matt Kajeski, he is Kyle Dvorak. You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajeski. He is at Kyle Tweets here. Thank you guys. Have a good week. We will see you again next time.